When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to part two of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo baseball podcast featuring Justin Mason. This part of the episode features a mound visit focusing on the mental health aspects of the game, tweets and emails, and of course, shine right the bay. move into a mound visit. Let's take a stroll out to the mound. What the hell's going on out there? Looks like a convention. Pretty soon they're going to call the roll. <laughs> Get your ass out there and check it out. You actually brought this uh, little blog to my attention, Justin. You posted it earlier in the week. Um, did you, you know what I'm talking about? Did you look at this one? This is the uh, one from Aaron about the stigma of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Sports yeah. Life. Uh, you know, in a period like this, I know we keep saying like a period like this and, you know, with everything going on. It's true, though. The, the mental health factor, in my opinion, makes even more of an impact this season because of the duress, uh, the lack of routine. Everything's thrown out of whack. And you got guys who are playing with who knows they could have COVID tomorrow. They could be gone for two weeks, got a quarantine. You lose track. You lose at bats. You lose time for throwing, staying fully compatible with your five inning minimum or if you're a starter you're totally screwed as a pitcher so how do you see mental health actually overall in fantasy baseball and then specifically in this season i think that uh in general we uh as um as men um you know and i i I know that there are a lot of women who play fantasy baseball uh, and, and are really, really good at it. Uh, I've employed some, some amazing people over at friends of fantasy benefits, uh, that are, are female players, but it is a, a predominantly male kind of pastime. Uh, and I think as men, we tend to want to ignore the fact that we may not be doing okay. Um, and I know for me, uh, when I went through some, you know, awful things in my life, fantasy baseball was, uh, an outlet for me uh, and a distraction for me. And, you know, I think that there is a stigma that as, as men, um, you know, as people who like sports that we're supposed to like rub some dirt on it when things, you know, hurt, or we're supposed to ignore it. We're supposed to, you know, stand up and be a man. And uh, I really just identified. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I identified with that article, you know, in terms of, I think, it's okay to tell people that you're not doing okay. And especially in this time of, uh, you know, pandemic, uh, and uncertainty, um, you know, everybody's scared right now. Uh, and everybody is, uh, you know, sad right now and everybody is lonely right now. Um, and I don't think that that makes you any less of a man or as a person to admit that. Um, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all identify with that, especially right now. I mean, people, you know, I, I would not say that I have a mental health diagnosis. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not mentally ill uh, in the way that, you know, my wife is, you know, admitted she, you know, struggles with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And she has been, you know, diagnosed, you know, with depression and anxiety. Um, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic and that comes with its own set of problems. Yeah. You know, I am. I definitely have issues with compulsions and addictions and things like that. Yeah, we're um, sober, even buddy, I, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, and even though that I've been clean and sober for a very long time, 
Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that like I'm well, <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, but even though I don't have a mental health diagnosis, like I'm feeling the times that we live in, um, you know, whether it's because of the pandemic, whether it's because of, you know, inequality in America, whether it's, you know, just because I want to be able to walk outside my house without a mask. Like there are like, uh, you know, there are lots of reasons to be down. And I don't think that um, I don't think it is a sign of weakness to express that, um, you know, and in terms of like fantasy baseball, it's hard to parlay that into it. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, I think the main, you know, correlation, you know, with that, you know, this discussion and fantasy baseball is I want to be honest. You know, I want to be honest when I don't know something like I want to be honest when, um, you know, I'm upset about the fact that Freddie Freeman it might be, you know, missing, you know, the first two or three weeks of the season. Yeah. You know, it, it's I think it's OK to voice displeasure and voice that you're, you know, that sometimes life sucks and that's okay. And it's not complaining, it's being honest. And uh, so like, you know, I think often, you know, people are afraid of being called whiners. People are afraid of, you know, uh, being told to, you know, buck up or sack up or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I think we need to get to a point in, our community in the world where it's okay to express that maybe you're not doing okay. Beautiful. I think that's very well said, Justin. And in this blog post, check it out. I tweeted it out on the Palazzo Twitter page at Palazzo podcast, two L's, two Z's. And it also brings up the fact that baseball could be a distraction, but there's also people in baseball who have talked about their mental health struggles. Uh, Zach Grinke, Joey Votto. Uh, it also mentions, which was uh, this past Monday, the anniversary of a uh, Tyler Skaggs passed away and the angels threw a combined. No, no, that was this past Monday. It happened one year ago and they laid out their jerseys on the mound. They all wore number 45. Very inspiring. I think that's where base, that's the brighter side of baseball where baseball really shows the camaraderie in the community that it can be as opposed to the unfortunate other side of baseball, which is the uh, not inclusive to women, people of color. I mean, that's that's why baseball is it represents like our country and our society. You know, we've got good moments and we've got really, really shitty tendencies. So, uh, I, I recommend to check that out. And here on Plaza Podcast, we're always going to talk about mental health, and that's what our mound visits are about. Because these players are human beings, and the managers and everybody and their family members that all impacts each other, and it can all fall apart or it can all be just as inspiring for them, depending on each situation. You know, Mike, I, I think another thing that's super important is the podcast world, the Twitter world, and just the fantasy baseball community as a whole has probably helped a lot of people out more than they had, had expected to. I was thinking about this earlier that, you know, it's been since March that we've been in this quarantine. Obviously, we started our podcast, uh, you know, we started with football last fall and we started our baseball podcast back in February. But you know, I'm a pretty even keel guy. I don't suffer from mental illness or depression, but I, I'm surrounded by a lot of people that do. But this has been like, you know, being able to host a pod, have other people on that I had never met before, you know, getting more involved in Twitter and seeing just stuff that people are tweeting out. And just the camaraderie of the community of fantasy baseball has been so important for so many people. Um, just thinking about you, Mike, I mean, you run three different podcasts. I mean, you have a loaded week of stuff going on and you bring on a lot of people that I'm sure has been great for your mental health, you know, in so many uncertain times that we're living in right now. So and I think it's going to get even better once baseball does start and we're all going to be able to be tweeting at each other and messaging each other about, you know, how terrible your draft was or, oh, my God, this guy is COVID. My my team is an absolute trash now. It's going to be really important to be surrounded by this community of people that can just help each other out that don't even really know each other very well. Um, so I think that's been such a huge positive impact on, on everybody within, you know, the fantasy baseball community. Uh, I'll tell you, I mean, I, um, you know, when I started doing this, like I'd never had any aspirations to like become big in the fantasy world or anything like that. Um, you know, I was just, I was just having fun and, I was like, oh, man, if I can, you know, make a little bit of extra cash doing that, that'd be great and stuff. Um, never thought I'd get to, you know, even close to where I'm at right now. Um, but, you know, I've, I've had the, you know, the 
the blessing to um, have people email me uh, or jump into my DMs on Twitter and, you know, and say like, hey, you know what, you're, you're, you're writing, you're, you're, you're podcasting, your honesty um, has meant a lot to me and this is what it is. Or they've reached out to me and they've gone, hey, I'm really struggling with something, you know, whether it be addiction or mental health. Um, you know, and I, I know, you know, that you're, uh, you know, a professional drug and alcohol counselor. I know that you're sober. I know that your wife, you know, talks a lot, you know, and writes about mental health issues. Um, and it's been, and it's been an amazing opportunity to help people. Uh, and it, that definitely was never, uh, a, a, that never crossed my mind that that would be a byproduct of giving fantasy advice. Um, but it's amazing to hear, like, it's amazing to hear that, you know, podcasts, you know, have, an impact on people's lives outside of just giving you mediocre fantasy advice. Um, it's, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it, like you said, it can be a distraction. Sometimes it can be more than that. And I think that's a, a really cool aspect of our industry that I never thought about before. Yeah. I mean, we, we live in a world where people are just piling on top of each other all the time based on, you know, political beliefs or whether, you know, you believe in masks or COVID or whatever, but that doesn't seem to happen within the fantasy baseball community. I think if someone's going to shit on somebody else, it's over some stupid move they made in baseball, but it's not really a, uh, a judgment on their character. And, uh, you know, that's so, that's so awesome that people have reached out to you and reached out to your wife and, and asked for advice and, you know, people that are struggling, you know, have, have that, you know, motivation to go and say, Hey, I'm struggling. You know, I need some help. Any type of advice would, you know, greatly be appreciated. So I, th I think that's wonderful that your wife and I and yourself have been able to, you know, help people within the community. Agreed. Thanks. Very, very cool. Completely agree. All right. So by the way, if you ever want to hit any of us up, you can. We're Plaza Podcast, two L's, two Z's at ProtonMail.com. You can find Justin Mason on Twitter. You can find C. Deary on Twitter. Hit us up. We're all pretty uh, open and fairly reasonable human beings when we're available. Okay, let's uh, have a few final comments from the gallery, and then we'll close with Shine and Ride the Pine and get the hell out of here. There's a couple of people that tweeted, uh, sent emails, have questions for you, for us. So uh, one is, what's it like knowing people buy shirts with your face on it? Um, <laughs> I don't know that people actually buy them. Oh. I, I think that... <laughs> I, I do know a few that have been purchased. Uh, I, I I don't think. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I am the biggest uh, collector of Justin Mason T-shirts, um, and uh, that that is, you know, every once in a while, someone will tweet at me like a you know army buddy bought a few of them, uh, and just you know just so he could tweet at me that he had them. Uh, then, you know, every once in a while, someone will be like, Oh, look what I got. I got the Justin Mason shirt. I'm like, wow, that is weird. <laughs> like, so it's, uh, like, don't get me wrong. Like de definitely, you know, if that's your, if that's your jam, then if you, if you want like a cartoon, uh, picture of my face on your chest, uh, then more power to you, you know, you can help put, uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny's, uh, kids through college. Um, <laughs> Cause uh, he gets all the proceeds. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, uh, it's, it's weird. It, it's, it's totally weird that that's become a thing. I have no idea why uh, it just, you know, but I embrace it. Did you uh, work out a private contract with RotoWare? Was this like a whole oh, no. agreement like years ago? You guys have been working. You're in cahoots. I know it. Some people think that I have stock in RotoWare or something like that. Like I own a percentage. Like it, the, there is no rhyme or reason to this. Um, you know, especially when he started doing it, like I had no like real profile or anything within the fantasy industry. It wasn't like I was this big name or anything. Um, like I still don't even consider myself a big name in the industry. So like it, it's it's a weird uh, it's it, it's a weird thing that he just decided to do. I think it's because. I tend to overshare on Twitter. Um, so like if you're following me for fantasy baseball advice, you probably are following the wrong account. Um, I, it's really mostly me and my wife bantering uh, or, or bickering on Twitter uh, and me trying to be funny and failing miserably at it. Uh, so, uh, but he, he, uh, yeah, he just, I guess he just liked the things I tweeted. And so every time I tweeted something he found funny, uh, he would just make a shirt out of it and he continues to do it to this day. And now there's, I don't know, 45 t-shirts and a, a woman's bathing suit and a throw pillow um, on there. Wow. You're like Nicholas Cage. So, That's amazing. Yeah. 
And like I said, I'm the only one who buys this shit. <laughs> so now my like like uh, now my closet is filled with you know rotoware t-shirts, and my wife is pissed because she had finally gotten to the point where she could get me to dress like an adult. <laughs> so you you've never walked by somebody who was uh, wearing a shirt with your face on it? That never happened. No, oh. no. People think people think it's hilarious when I walk around with them. Oh yeah, because they they think that this is like a like a t-shirt company that will like put your cartoon face on a t-shirt. They don't realize that it's just my face. Um, and you know, uh, so like, like, Oh, where'd you get that? That's amazing. I'd be like, Oh, it's on rotorwear. And like, then next time I see them, like, you know, at my kid's school or wherever I'm at, they're like, Oh, it's, it's just your face. Well, why is like, cause they don't know who I am. Like, you know, they think I'm just, you know, my daughter's dad or like, <laughs> You know, the dude who hangs out at the sports bar or, you know, the guy they see shopping or whatever. Like, they don't realize I'm a fantasy baseball analyst. And, you know, uh, so they're, they 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 thought, oh, maybe they'll make a cartoon face of me. And no, no, this is this is just a random weird thing that this uh, guy, Kenny Cashman, has uh, decided to do. OK, well, there you go. That was a random question we had. How about this one? This one comes from. Oh, Open Bar. Those guys are great. Open Bar Fantasy Baseball Podcast at Open Bar Dudes. Uh, closers, well, we kind of talked about this. Closers will push way up this weekend, but the question is how high is too high? That's what he wants to know. Is there a point, a threshold? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there becomes a point where it's just not worth it and you're sacrificing too much value. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe it is worth it. Like, I think there's a reasonable argument that Josh, there is no too high for Josh Hader. If you think he's going to get saves and you think he's going to pitch multiple innings and, you know, pick up some cheap wins and things like that, uh, I think there is a reasonable expectation that um, he's like a second round pick, like, or that he could return second round value. Now, do I want to be taking Alex Colomay in the fifth round? No, I, I don't. I mean, I, li- I like Alex Colomay. I think he's underrated as a closer, but I'm not spending a fifth round pick on him. Um, I love Bummer. So, I'm like, kind of into Bummer personally, but yeah, he's good. He's solid. Yeah, but like, Col- I mean, Colomay gets shit on all the time, yeah. but like, go look at his numbers. Like the last four seasons, he has been just steady as hell, and he gives you what you want from a closer, which is saves. Um, so, uh, like, I mean, there's no reason to think that in this short sprint that. Uh, they won't just stick with him. But at the same time, like you don't want to spend a fifth round pick on that because then you're, you know, passing on, you know, Anthony Rizzo or Matt, uh, Matt Olson or, uh, you know, a, a guy, you know, maybe like a, a Jose Barrios or, you know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, obviously. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a price for everybody, but at the same time, I, like I personally, especially in a Roto league and especially in NFBC main event, um, or any NFBC league, I don't want to leave a draft without closers. Like it's just, I think often people are like, oh, you know, they, they go back to the old Matthew Barry, uh, you know, saying of uh, don't pay for saves. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the year to pay for saves. It's, you know, um, uh, you know, this is not the year to, to punt saves in, in a league where you, you need to compete for an overall title. Right. That's an important uh, little caveat. There. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. Uh, what about J-Dub? J-Dub says, if you miss the first elite grouping of outfielders for whatever reason, uh, draft spot, you know, various reasons, how long do you wait to fill those spots in a redraft only? You know, that that's an interesting question because, I mean, outside of first base, the non-catching, uh, you know, offensive positions are all pretty deep. Um, I, know, I mean, so, like, I don't think you necessarily need to say uh, that, um, you, oh, I'm just going to wait on outfield or I'm going to wait on second base or, or I'm going to wait on, you know, third or whatever, um, or I'm going to target these positions early because I don't like the way they look later on. Uh, I do, I will say that there are a lot of really cheap outfielders that I do really like. So like guys like Shogi Akama or, um, Brandon Nimmo, um, you know, now that Anthony Santander is, uh, reported to camp. Like he becomes like an interesting guy in the middle of that Baltimore lineup. So I think it's less about saying that I'm going to either push up or push down this certain position because almost all of the non-catching positions are pretty deep. It's more of a matter of 
I'm not going to worry that I need to fill a certain position. I'm just going to take the best value or the best fit for my team in this round and know that there are outfielders left. So, you know, I just did a main event qualifier draft or actually I'm in the middle of it because it's a slow draft. Um, I think we're in like round 18 or 19. So, um, you know, still got, I think 11, 12 rounds left, but like three of my first or actually four of my first six hitters were outfielders. Um, just cause that's the way the value felt, you know, and I could totally see having gone the exact opposite direction where I didn't take an outfielder until outside of pick 150. Um, but to me, it's just about, I'm going to build my team with the best talent at first, and then I'm going to pivot, you know, usually in between rounds eight and 12 to start putting that puzzle together because every team is a puzzle and it can go together a lot of different ways as long as the pieces fit together. Um, and I don't like to put any restrictions on myself in terms of, I need to take this piece at this point because then it limits how you can put your team together. Yep. I completely agree with that. I, I don't think I ever find myself saying that statement. That's, that's a good piece of drafting advice. Well, real quickly, what about, um, Guys that already have COVID, would you be targeting guys if they've already had it? This is a question from Dave P. He wants to know, hey, you know, my draft's coming up right before the season starts. Wouldn't I be better off with guys that already have COVID? It's over and done with. Well, like I said earlier, there, there's no guarantee that they can't get it again. That's true. You know, it seems like Delano DeShields has just gotten again. And we've heard of, you know, outbreaks in China where almost everybody in a town has gotten it. And then they got another outbreak and everybody's getting it again. So, uh, I don't think that that's a safe strategy at all. Um, at all. I don't think. Yeah, I, I, because I mean, I don't. I'm not a doctor, even though I have played one on TV. Um, you know, and I did stay at Holiday and Express last night. But uh, <laughs> ultimately, like, uh, I don't think that there is enough data out there to support that. Once you get it, you can't get it again. Um, and I don't think there. Is, I don't think we know enough about individual players conditioning to know that it didn't have an effect on them or it did have an effect on him. Uh, so uh, for me, it's a matter of, are they playing? Does their manager say they're going to be ready by opening day? Um, you know, and I'm going to, you know, take some of the information we get from managers and in, in teams, you know, with a great assault because they lie to us, uh, you know, especially certain organizations. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's, I'm not targeting Charlie Blackman because he got sick. I'm not targeting Hector Neris because he got sick. You know, now that they're back and it seems like they're going to be ready for opening day, I'll put them back in their original draft spot. But I'm not like pushing them up or pushing them down if they're back and I think they're going to be ready. Exactly. And then lastly, Joel wants to know, what about prospects? Is there two or three prospects you think can actually make an impact in this short season? He throws out a couple of names, Pearson, Kalenic, and Dylan Carlson. Um, I mean, I definitely think this is going to be a year where prospects can make a pretty interesting impact because they teams only have to wait seven days before they get that extra year of service time as opposed to three to seven five days. Weeks. Very important yeah. to know that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, especially if you're playing in a weekly league, that's just one cycle and you're going to have guys on your reserve list. Now, do not load up on all of these guys. Because if then you get someone injured and they decide that, uh, you know, Nate Pearson isn't coming up because Toronto lost six of their first seven games. And now they're, you know, five games out of the division with only eight weeks to play. They may just decide, OK, maybe this isn't the year to start his service clock. And I think guys on teams like Seattle with uh, Kalanick, uh, why, why would they start his service time when they know they're not going to compete? Um, you know, the, there's just no reason to do yeah, it. You don't have so, to fill the seats either because there won't be fans. Yeah. So like people thinking that Joey Bart might be up because Buster Posey opted out and, uh, you know, and they need a catcher are going to be really disappointed when Rob, you know, Rob Brantley gets, you know, 75% of the starts behind the plate. Uh, and Joey Bart doesn't see any time except for maybe the last week of the season or something like that. Sucks. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it, but it that's, you know, that's the game, you know, your guys' Tigers, like they're not going to bring up, you know, you know, Tarek Skubal. They're not no. going to bring up these, these, you know, top tier pitching. Well, they're hyping minds, though. I, I heard a, 
uh, interview today on the local radio said garden hire garden hire was all about garden hire loves mys he loves what he's seeing you know it could be all bullshit but I'm yeah I'm sure he loves what he sees and I'm sure he's gonna love it even more next year when they actually bring him up so uh, I would I, I would I would be shocked to see you know a team bring up a top tier prospect now guys like Dylan Carlson um guys like uh you know Kenzie Gore guys like Joe Adele like these guys are on teams that either have know they're competing or have aspirations to compete um that could easily bring these guys up uh and they could have a huge impact and so those are the guys again don't load up on all of them but take a shot on one or two and hope that you know in the second week of the season they're up and you get to start get you know gaining some you know rewards from uh you know drafting them I, I think the unknown in my mind, and maybe you guys can help me with this, is some of those guys that organizations may not feel like they're ready to bring them up, what are they going to be doing in their downtime, whether you're on the taxi squad or you're you're on that 40-man roster and you're not really going to be getting any playing time? Are they going to be still doing some inter-squad games or they're going to be scrimmages against some other taxi squads? I don't know if you guys have any more information on that. Yeah, I think you're going to see them do a lot of inter-squad stuff or – uh, simulated games. So, uh, you know, I mean, they won't have enough players to do inter squad stuff for the most part because there'll only be 30, you know, players left. And so, uh, you know, you, you, it's not going to be, well, I mean, I guess they could theoretically with 30 yeah, players. The satellites so, were um, I believe. Yeah. You're, I don't think you're going to see them play against other teams. And the yeah. thing that, the thing that, you know, the big part of that sentence is you're not going to see it. So, like, right now we're getting to see some of these inter-squad games or at least clips of them, um, and sometimes we're getting to actually see, you know, full games either being streamed or, or ESPN, you know, gets a camera in or whatever. You're not going to have – you're not going to see any of this, and the press isn't going to be allowed into any of this. And so you're going to have no idea that, you know, um, you know Jared Kalanick is, you know, hitting the cover off the ball – and forcing his way up to the majors. It's not going to be like a regular season in which you can get numbers from the AAA franchise and teams have pressure put on to you know promote these guys. There's going to be no access. You're yeah, going to get no information. So it's going to be a lot different. Yeah, I think it, you know for these guys, it's just important that they're still getting the playing time. But that's a great point you bring up. You know, I mean, we've seen Kalenic all week just murder the ball to right field and put it over the seats. Uh, but yeah, he may be doing that in inter-squad games or some type of simulated games, and we may or may not see any of that. So you don't know when that you know time of him being pulled up or the pressure for him to be pulled up will happen. That is true. Well, we're going to close out the show now. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the tweets. This is the shine or ride the pine segment time. So I'm going to fire off projection, and Justin's going to tell me if he's going to shine or this player is going to ride the pine. Deary knows how to play the game. Do you understand, Justin? I think so. We'll see. I mean, uh, you like I said before, I'm not very good at pulling instructions. Never a straight answer. I love that. I love that about you. Okay. What we're going to use, uh, by the way, Steve Paulo, a dear friend of mine. Well, we're not best friends, but I like Steve Paulo a lot. And he has his Stomper Projections, which you can find on stomperprojections.com if you're interested. Check it out. This guy's building something cool. So we're going to go right off the bat. We just talked about our main man, Alex Colome. Justin, we'll start with you. Do you think he can get 11 or more saves, Alex Colome? I do. I think he can. I, I, I mean, the team, I think, is going to be better uh, you know, getting 10 games against the Royals, 10 games against the Tigers, uh, some games against the Pirates. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he can. Yeah, that's a shine for me. I think that schedule helps them out a, a ton, and I think they're going to score a lot of runs, so I think they're going to be ahead in a lot of games near the end. Ooh, okay. I like it. I like it. How about a guy who's in the news today? Uh, Nick Solak. Looks like he's going to be starting for Willie Calhoun. He's going to be out with the hip flexor issue. In a shortened season... Can you buy a 371 OBP or higher, Justin? 371 or higher OBP? Yeah, I I, I think he can do that. I, I like Nick Solak a lot. And, I mean, the, the biggest issue with him coming into the fantasy season was that he was UT only, you know, on NFBC and some other sites. Uh, you know, but a lot of sites have lowered how many games it takes to get in season, 
you know, eligibility. And so, you know, I mean, if he only needs four games and Willie Calhoun's going to miss first week of the season or something like that, he's going to get that eligibility pretty quick. And then he can move around the diamond and gain eligibility elsewhere. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big Nick Solak fan. Big. All right. Dear, you buying in 371 or higher? Yeah, I mean, he's been able to do it all through the minor leagues. And, you know, Justin brought up that great point. You know, even when Calhoun comes back, if he can get eligibility at other positions and maneuver him around the diamond and give some other guys some rest, I think uh, over 370 is definitely doable. Okay, I like it. I like where your heads are at. Uh, Let's go back to pitching. How about this guy, Luke Weaver of the Arizona Diamondbacks? He had an injury, but he's had plenty of time to recover now. Do you see Luke Weaver getting at least 52 innings pitched this year, Justin? 52 innings pitched or more? Oh, that is a tough one. Um, I really like Luke Weaver. I'm going to say under that. I I think that, uh, I mean, there's his injury history is just too riddled to take the over on that. Um, and, you know, you, you got to wonder if the Diamondbacks uh, decide to play it a little cautious with him, considering the elbow issues last year. I do like him on a per inning basis. Um, he was a guy that I really faded when everybody was like really psyched on him when he was with the Cardinals. He put on all that muscle and then people remembered that, oh, wait, changing a pitcher's body shape can alter their mechanics. Uh, and that's what happened, like his mechanics. And he's he's. You know, he's one of those guys uh, that really needs to be able to repeat his mechanics, and he couldn't. And then, you know, he was able to do it uh, before getting injured uh, last year because he kind of shed off some of that added muscle that he had gotten. So I like him from a straight skills perspective, but I'm not going to bet on those innings. All right. What about you, Deary? Luke Weaver? Yeah, that number's like that number's right on point. Um, I think the Diamondbacks are going to be a sneaky play out west. I think they've made a lot of nice moves, but I don't think they're going to mortgage the future. And you know, this guy's still only 26 years old. You know, Justin talked about he was a big time prospect with the Cardinals. You know, came over the Diamondbacks last year, and then the injuries came up. I don't think they're going to press him too much, so I, I would go under as well. Hmm, okay, well that's interesting. Uh, what about our guy? Uh, Mr. Will Myers. Now, Will Myers is in an interesting position in San Diego. Five steals or more. Can Will Myers get five or more steals in 2020, Justin? All right. So five steals equates to about 12 in a season um, or 13 in a season, something like that. Um, Yeah, I think he can. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that's, that's stolen 20 bases before at the major league level. Uh, I think the DH really adds some value for him because he is poor defensively uh, and they were kind of loaded already on that team, especially in the outfield. Uh, So I think his ability to DH gives him a little added playing time. And yeah, I think I think he could. And they're a team that I think has a lot of pressure on them to win. And so I think they're going to try to manufacture offense any way they can when they need to. So uh, I think Will Myers definitely can swipe it back. Sounds doable. Dear, are you buying in? He's he's our guy, Mike? Yeah, he is our guy, isn't he? <laughs> is it because we shit on him all the time? Oh, well, not as much as Charlie Blackman, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, five, five steals is definitely doable. I mean, obviously his OBP has always been garbage, but, uh, I mean, he, he will probably still walk over 10% of the time, and the DH helps, so I think he's going to be able to play 58 to 60 games. So I will go with the over on five. Five, five seems doable all right. Here's a guy we haven't heard from in a long, long time. Lance McCullers. Remember him? How about this? Lance McCullers, will he give you an ERA under 4.09, Justin? 4.09 or under? Can you do it? No, he can't. Ah! I mean, and I love McCullers again from a straight skills perspective. I think he, he's he got all the talent of that the That curveball, man. Um, oh, it's that. Here's the problem, though, is what is the thing that comes back last after Tommy John surgery? Your command and control. What has always been an issue for McCullers? Health and command and control. Um, And, you know, people are like, you know, really kind of like really psyched on him. They're like, oh, the delay to the start of the season is great for him, blah, blah, blah. But if you go back and watch those spring training starts that he had, he really struggled finding the zone and when he did find the zone 
he really struggled with his command within it. So I, I, that to me bodes really, really poorly uh, for him. And Dusty Baker being the manager and saying that he's more ready than Zach Granke makes me feel like he's going to really ride McCullers, um, which means when he gets in trouble, he's not going to pull him. That's not going to be good for his ERA. I, I'm a total fade on McCullers for this year. I think he will be one of those guys I really want to buy back in on next year. This will be another year removed from that injury as long as he makes it through this season healthy. But for 2020, I'm a complete fade on McCullers. Okay, speaking with authority, I love it. Deary, what do you think? Yeah, that walk rate is scary. And in a shortened season, it may only take one to two blowups within a start that could just murder his ERA. It's going to take him too long to accumulate enough innings to bring it back down. So I'm definitely uh, riding the pine on that. It'll be over. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Here's a guy, he's just in the news recently as well, so maybe this is an easy call. But there was a time when Byron Buxton was picked uh, by Steve to at least have eight steals or more. Do you still think, Justin, that Byron Buxton could give a fantasy manager at least eight steals or more in 2020? Oh, do I think he could? Yes, I definitely think he could. Do I think he will? Oh, no, I do not. Um, aside from the fact that he's already hurt, uh, which is never a good sign, uh, though they, I mean, it apparently does not look like it is a super serious injury. Um, I just think the I think the, his injury is a, a reminder to those people who are out there, and I, I was one of them at first, um, that were saying, oh, all he's got to do is stay healthy for 60 games. All Stanton has to do is stay healthy for 60 games. All Aaron Judge has to do is stay healthy for 60 games. What? Like when, like that doesn't eliminate their injury risk. It actually makes it more pertinent to avoid it because if they do get hurt and have to miss two weeks, that is a quarter of the season. And I I just like, yes, could Byron Buxton put together an amazing 60 games and be the comeback player of the year and win you your fantasy league? Absolutely. But the higher likelihood is that he misses half the season because he can't tie his shoes correctly and he trips. <laughs> yep. I think you spoke so clearly and eloquently on that injury factor. Great call. What about you, dear? Are you buying in? Yeah, you know how I love Buxton. Uh-huh. I'm definitely not buying in. I mean, he's going to bat at the end of that order. I don't think that's really going to matter. But, I mean, Justin brought it up. The guy can't stay healthy. Uh, I think it was 80 or 90 games last year. Missed almost the whole season in 18. Uh, I think he's only played over 100 games once in his career. Um, and I, I just don't I don't see it with him. I, I, I think earlier this year, it might have been February or March, I said he'd be out of the league within three years. Wow. All right. I'm going to go back. Ooh, I, I don't know that I would go that far because he does play elite defense when he is healthy. And there's always going to be a role for somebody like that yeah. uh, in, in the major leagues. <laughs> Um, but to your point, uh, do you know which team stole the fewest bases last year in the majors? It had to have been the Twins. It was the hey! Twins. It was a pretty easy question considering we were talking they about the ball, Byron They put the ball in the stands too much. Well, and when you've got that kind of a lineup, do you really want someone running into outs? So they only stole 28 bases in the entire season last year. So, I, I think he had half of them. He might have. Um, I think I think you're actually right on that. Uh, but like if you then, you know, we're getting what, 39 percent of a season. So, you know, 20, 39 percent of 28 is not close enough for him to steal all of those bases. So, yeah, no, um, even if he's healthy, like you said, he's going to be batting at the bottom of that lineup. Do they want him running into outs right before the start of the you know start, you know, turnover of the lineup? Um, and you have to remember, too, that the guy batting at the bottom of the lineup this year is getting about 50 fewer plate appearances than the guy batting at the top of the lineup. There's going to be a lot less opportunities for him to even steal it if he can get on base. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. It's going to be an unknown season for Byron. I'm always rooting for you, Mr. Buxton, but I hope you can get it together at some point. This should be easy, right? Hansel Robles. Easy call. Eight saves or more. There's some other guys in that pen, you know. Bed Rosie is still around. Butry's in there. Hansel Robles, eight saves or more, Justin. 
Ooh, I'm gonna say he gets eight saves or more. Yeah. That 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 that's close, but I'm not actually infatuated with anybody in that bullpen. Uh, in terms of someone who stands out with like extremely better skills than Robles, uh, I mean the the part that makes me really tentative is that Joe Madden's the the manager now, and like when he doesn't have that set guy, he will tinker. Um, but like he, I don't think he's got the arms to compete. So yeah, I'm gonna say Robles. I don't think he's gonna be much more than eight. I think it's probably probably looking at eight or nine, but I think he can get to eight. Okay. Dear, are you buying into that? No, I don't think so. I'm not, you know, blown away by the Angels starting pitching, and I think their bullpen is going to play a huge role. And I think Justin brought up a great point with Madden, especially when pretty much every game is going to matter. There's going to be a lot of high leverage situations where maybe he comes in in the sixth or seventh just to get them out of an inning, and maybe there's some type of, you know, committee to finish games. I'm not as high in on the Angels as a lot of people are. And I, I, I don't think he gets that opportunity to get, what was the number eight? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I don't think he gets that opportunity. He gets probably around six or seven, but I think it's going to go. I do, I do like him. He's very likable. Very likable man. What about J.D. Davis of the New York Mets? The New York Mets uh, kind of saved you last year. He was getting a lot of heat coming into the offseason. Can J.D. Davis hit seven or more home runs, Justin? Oh, I think for sure he really. I think I think he's a guy that uh, I mean I love his Statcast numbers. Uh, I think the fact that the DH is coming to the National League uh, means uh, they can hide him at the DH when his defense is costing the team. Um, they, I mean, they, I mean, look at some of the players on this team; they don't necessarily care about defense with Robin Snow and, and Jonas Cespedes, but um, and, and JD Davis for that matter. But the fact that he can play multiple positions. The fact that DH is there, I think he's going to get opportunities to play. The fact that, you know, the entire Mets team is brittle. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's going to get the opportunities. And, I mean, I don't know what that strikeout rate is going to be along with it. But, yeah, I think he can hit those homers. Wow, okay. You seem pretty clear on that. Deary, do you agree? Yeah, I think double digits is definitely doable. Uh, let's say he gets 50 to maybe 54 games. I, I, I think it, it's there for him. I, I, I like Davis to get uh, around 9 or 10. Wow, okay. I thought maybe it was questionable. We're trying to put a face on these numbers because we've never seen these numbers as end-of-season stats. So it's weird to be like, oh, the guy's going to hit seven <laughs> home runs or more. Very strange. All right, let's go back to a pitcher. I was thinking quality starts. Do you think Mike Fires? Mike Fires is a guy who's got a lot of pub for all the Astros drama. But Steve's got a peg for six quality starts in 2020. What do you think of that, Justin? Can you go six or more QSs for Mr. Fires? Absolutely not. I can't. I mean, I'm not going to go six. I'm not going to bank on six quality starts from anybody because I just don't know how many teams are going to let people go six innings. I mean, I just that and, you know, the A's especially like they're a team, like I said before, like they could easily decide with, you know, the added bodies to their bullpen because of the expanded rosters, because of the taxi squads. Uh, that they're not going to let their starters go past four innings. Like it would not surprise me if we saw piggybackers this year in Oakland. And so, yeah, no, they, yeah, no way. That's uh, lo- love the facial hair. And there is a Justin Mason Mike Fires T-shirt for those who want one. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I'm not going to bank on six quality starts from him. He can be sneaky. Like he's a guy that gets streamed, and he can just put up a lot of quality starts. He'll just strike guys out, but. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. What do you think, Deary? Six quality starts or more? Six is a lot. I just don't see guys going that deep into games. What does help him out is I don't think he's going to tax his arm by striking out a ton of guys because he doesn't do that. He's more of a kind of pitch to contact, get some ground balls and some lazy fly balls. So he could be a guy that maybe he pitches only, you know, 30, 35 pitches through three, four innings if, you know, guys are up there and are really antsy. So I think that's something that's on his side. Uh, but six seems like a lot if he's getting, you know, just 10 starts in a, se- in a season. So I'll, I'll go under as well. Here's a guy who's tantalizing. A lot of people are banking on, I'm going to do a double whammy on you here, okay? Kyle Tucker. Can Kyle Tucker give fantasy owners five and five, five home runs and five steals or more on both sides? You can break them both apart. You don't have to say yay or nay for all of it. You can break it down. Five home runs, five steals. 
No. I don't because I don't think that Dusty Baker likes him enough and he doesn't and Dusty Baker doesn't like young players for some reason. Um, I think that even if uh, Kyle Tucker proves that he is the better player between him and Josh Reddick, Dusty Baker won't care. Uh, And, you know, that may mean like he gets in there half the time, but he's still going to randomly put in Josh Reddick because he's a team player or he's like, you know plays the game the right way he's old and he does stuff i i don't know like i don't understand like why the astros hate kyle tucker the way they do but uh they they pick the absolute worst manager to uh to to bring in for for guy for a guy like kyle tucker who's fighting you know a veteran for a job so no i i think from a straight talent perspective yeah i definitely think he could but from an opportunity perspective i think it's gonna be real difficult and the opportunity lack thereof are still going to plague him. Interesting. Deary, you want to go for it? Goddamn Dusty Baker. I can't stand Dusty <laughs> Baker. <laughs> yeah, you always got something against Dusty Baker, don't you? I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I didn't like that hire in Houston. I, I understood it, but I didn't like it. Yeah, Kyle Tucker's not going to get the at-bats, and it sucks because I like Kyle Tucker, but I think next year's the year where he you know gets his 550 plate appearances, and you're going to see a lot more of him next year. And, you know, great point on Reddick. I think Dusty's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is the old guy. He plays the game the right way. And, you know, they're going to go with an old veteran, especially if they're trying to go for, you know, a 60-game sprint and win a title. All right, two more. Marcus Stroman, 66 innings pitched or more. 66 IP, Justin. Can you buy in? Yeah, I can buy in on that. Um, Just because with uh, some of the other issues that they've got in the rotation – uh, they may need a horse. I mean, uh, Jacob DeGrom's dealing with, you know, some back issues. I mean, I think he'll probably end up being fine. Um, and people are, you know, freaking out for for little reason. Just don't forget, like, this exact same thing happened in 2018 with DeGrom. Uh, and he, he they moved him back uh, from, you know, the first spot to the, like, third spot in the rotation. And he put up a pretty awesome season. Um, but, I mean, so Syndergaard's not there. You're relying on Michael Waka and Rick Porcello to uh, hold up in that rotation. Um, they've got a really good bullpen, but I think they're going to be looking for horse. I think Stroman could be that guy. So, yeah, I, I like I like Marcus Stroman. He's got to get innings. Now, what he does with those innings, I'm not buying into, but uh, I think they, he can deliver it. That's an entirely different story altogether, but he does look great at summer camp. I will say that. Deary, 66 innings pitched or more. All right, here's what's going to happen. I got a crazy scenario. So he's four innings short of it, but there's a three-way tie to get into the playoffs, and they have to play a play-in game, which will count as a regular season game, and then that'll take him over the 66. All right. You don't think they're going to have Jacob DeGrom pitch in that play-in no, he game? He pitched the day before. He's <laughs> well, unavailable. No. Yeah, DeGrom had to pitch like nine innings the day before, and his back's just dying, and they had had to win that game. So you, they're stuck you with make, having you to make you make Syndergaard throw that with his non-dominant hand, like you. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, yeah, you've made a mistake if you're leaving your your season in Marcus Stroman's hand. Oh. But uh, he's a great Twitter, great person to follow on Twitter. Um, seems like an amazing dude. Uh, but yeah, no, that's not who I want with the, with the season on the line. Great scenario. I love Deary's scenario. All right, and finally, here's a guy who was part of a news story the last couple of days. Francisco Lindor is going to be hitting third, according to Tito Francona. So Cesar Hernandez could be leading off now. The newly acquired second baseman from the Phillies. Known for his OBP. He's more of an OBP league guy. And Steve Paulo has him at 3-3-9 for OBP. Can he have a higher OBP than 3-3-9? It seems quite doable. Yeah, I think he will. I think he's probably... Uh, 345, 350 this year, especially if he's batting in that one spot in front of Carlos Santana uh, and uh, and Lindor and Jose Ramirez. That's a really, really great spot for him. Really hurt, you know, them moving Lindor back kind of hurt uh, Oscar Mercado a bit, yeah. but uh, Cesar Hernandez definitely trending up right now. Deary, I think you're buying in. You like Cesar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we talked about him with the doc a few uh, a few months ago, or maybe last month, whatever that is. I, I like I like him a lot. He's always just kind of been a sneaky, underrated guy, and the top of that lineup, I love that. 
Mr. Doctor. Yeah, that was a good episode. Okay, well, there it is. Shiner Ride the Pine is in the books. Nice job, Mr. Mason. A fine effort, Mr. Deary. That is the end of the show. I've really enjoyed this. this. I could do this forever. I know we have lives to get to, but man, having you on, Justin, was like a real thrill for me. I mean, I don't like adore you. I don't look up to you like an idol. You know, I don't think you're that amazing, but I do respect the hell out of you because I don't, I don't idolize anybody, just to be clear. But I think you're a great... Mike, I'm going to get you a Justin Mason t-shirt for opening day present. Oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, I would love that. Yeah, that's... I think you should. Yeah. You should. Everybody should be wearing Justin Mason apparel. <laughs> oh, of course, but hit the road. Tell everybody where to find you and all that jazz. What do you got coming up? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, you can email Justin Mason Fantasy at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. I'm, I'm there as well. So um, I'm not on Tumblr. Not on. Uh, I'm on Instagram, but I don't really use it because I don't like taking pictures. Um, but uh yeah so uh yeah but uh you can hear on my podcast friends fantasy benefits uh for baseball and football tgfbi uh the sleeper and the bust uh and all my written work over on friends fantasy benefits uh fan graphs and tgfbi.com dearie tell them where to find you dude man uh, i mean justin's far more accomplished than i am uh you can find me at cdearie 1999 on twitter uh you'll just see me retweeting all the other great stuff that people are putting out there and obviously talking about our pod as well that's right. This is Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Palazzo, Palazzo Podcast at Protect. Send us an email. We'd love to hear what you thought of the show. Uh, always appreciate your connections. Tell us about your upcoming drafts. Also, check out uh, rotofanatic.com. Doing good work over there. We got a lot of draft coverage going on. We got rankings. We got projections. We got ballpark factors. And we have schedule factors coming up. So, uh, Crosby, our new dude, is an amazing dude. Check out our ballpark factors. And uh, I'll be doing videos Monday through Friday. Check those out as well, please. They're a lot of fun. They'll give you all the latest and greatest that's going on every day. Comes out every morning, Monday through Friday. The quality start on rotofanatic.com. All right, that's it. That's all the plugging. It's over. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on, Justin. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.